But first, a little disclaimer. We are prefacing a lot of the appeal of this podcast on the fact that we're prosecutors. However, we need you to understand we are not doing this podcast in our professional capacity as prosecutors. We're doing this as people, after hours, on our own time, with our own equipment. Now, we know a lot about the law by virtue of what we do, uh, but we're also just interested in true crime. So our opinions and commentary in this podcast are not the opinions of our office or our employer. They are not our professional opinions, and nothing in this podcast should be construed as legal advice or anything other than three friends blowing off some steam together. So with that in mind, don't try this at home. You know what it is. This is Joe. And Cheryl. And I'm Ray. And this is No True Bill. On this episode of No True Bill, Ray, tell them. We're about to bring the sinister minister to a conclusion. Y'all, it's about to get wild. Woo! Correct. Oh, no. Uh, and no one paid any attention to him until uh, second wifey had to die in a car crash. Okay. Uh, uh, and then folks started being like, mm, maybe she didn't fall down them stairs. You know, what it tells me is you can probably get away with one. Yeah. You kill one spouse, you, you might, like... A lot of the, Why are we talking about this when we're not recording? Also, we are recording. Okay, good. <laughs> oh, yeah, we we alive. We alive at five. Uh, you could get away with one. Yeah, I mean, I I'm saying so. I've seen a lot of forensic files, especially when it's like poison and stuff, mm-hmm. where like, you know, old girl gets away with husband number one. Mm-hmm. It's not until she gets, she gets full of herself. Yeah. She goes for number two. Yeah. And especially, I mean, like. That last killer went so smooth. Mm-hmm. Was, I'm going to do it again. Right. And I'm tired of dealing with this. Getting greedy. So. I mean, I feel like. Obviously, the the sexual angle seems to be a potential motive for law enforcement if they're investigating. But like, there's no ridiculous life insurance policy on the table, no clear cut motive. So right. when old girl falls down the stairs, like, well, looks like an accident. Mm-hmm. I mean, the no broken neck or ribs or all. I mean, that that gives yeah. me pause. But whatever. Well, and the car. Yeah, the I, car, I mean, dude. That mm. she's all kinds of jacked up, and this car is like. Looks like uh, somebody hit it with a with a cart at the Walmart right. parking lot. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Got, yeah, <laughs> got that little bump, bump. A little bit more than that, but not much. A little runaway cart action. This girl, not much. this chick is dead AF. Oh man, man, you know the Kroger in the wheel. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know they put that in. They had big problems because they they had to make it because the creek is right there and the creek right. comes up with the water, and so they had to make it. Like the parking lot angled to an extent so that the water would would not run away carts, but runaway carts like man, <laughs> when they first put that store in, like every week there's police out there doing reports, accident reports for, you know, some rich old white dudes, Mercedes having a cart <laughs> just dragged down the side of it. Some chick super dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> Must have been the shopping cart. Nothing shopping to see cart. here. Sprinkled some crack on it. She was not wearing her seatbelt. Yeah. When the she cart was, struck the, the she side panel. She was, that's mm. why you wear your seatbelt all the time. That's right. Yeah. You never know. You ain't got to get ready if you stay ready. That's true. I say that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't got to get ready if you stay ready. Mm. That's what we do around here. Oh, so, God. yes, okay. in, in September of 2010. <laughs> yeah, we back at part two. Yes. Where did we leave well, off? In we, se- this is the last thing I said, I believe. It, okay. Well, okay. as far as the story. See line. if they're fresh yeah. on in recollection. In September of 2010, more than two years after Betty Jean's death, 
A.B. Shermer is arrested and charged with Betty Jane's murder. Mm-hmm. Much this, to the chagrin of his new fiance. <sighs> Cindy. Cindy no, Masanti. This is, they did the whole uh, sneak and peek in the house during questioning or was that post arrest? Because remember we talked about how all the blood in the garage. Oh, yeah, they were was, talking to him. That was still. They were just starting to investigate. Okay, okay. When they did that. So that whole interview process, in, interview and and uh, search went down, and now they've decided we're dropping the hammer. Yes. Okay. Murder yes. was the case that they gave. So after all of the investigation we discussed in mm-hmm. our first episode, mm-hmm. they finally charged him with <clears throat> Betty Jean's murder, and then shortly after they charged him with Betty Jean's murder, a grand jury began to investigate the death of Jules Shermer, which mm-hmm. has been reopened since the investigation into Betty Jean's death. Uh, I am going to jump back and forth <clears throat> a little bit uh, with some of this because things are now happening overlapping. Mm-hmm. We have the investigation of Jules Shermer's death ongoing. We have AB charged and in the slammer for Betty Jean's death leading up to her trial. Um, so I think I must start talking about the trial with regard to Betty Jean's death. And then I'll go back and fill in sort of some of the things that they did in the investigation of Jules Shermer's death. Okay. So he's taking it to the box. Yes. Mm-hmm. I ain't did this. Ain't mm-hmm. do it. His okay. defense is clearly. Or no, he said, well, so what did he, did he ever give a definitive mm-hmm. answer? He said, first she cut her hand on the wood pile. Then he was like, okay, that was a full, that was a oh, load of shit. I made oh, it at up. At trial, he sticks with the wood pile. So, but even when, though he told the officer that it was a lie. So he offered a, an excuse, down. recanted, then never said anything conclusively during that interview. He just shut it down. That is my understanding. And then at trial, he's like, you know what? That one I pulled back. I'm that, gonna revive it. That's here we the go. The woodpile, though. Okay. The woodpile. Right. Well, that that would explain a lot of blood yeah. in the garage. So, um, at trial, they go to trial first of all in January of 2013. So three years after he's charged. Damn. Okay. So, um, they have loads of people testifying at this trial. They have people who worked on, of course, the police investigation with regard to Betty Jean's death. Um, but remember, the reason they had to reopen Betty Jean's investigation is because of Joe Masanti's suicide. Mm-hmm. So they necessarily seek to and get permission from the court to introduce evidence with regard to Joe Masanti's suicide so they can explain why they reopened the investigation into Betty Jean's death, why they don't have an autopsy on her body, mm-hmm. and all of those sorts of things that you would normally expect to have. So it's part of the whole big picture of the investigation. Um, So in the course of the investigation, they introduce uh, evidence that both the church investigators and the police investigators found with regard to AB's multiple affairs, (gasps) his addictions to pornography. Um, Oh, he's addicted to porn? Yes. There's a ton of pornography that this man uh, views. and Weird uh, stuff? Normal stuff? I was going to say, is there any particular kinks? Uh, didn't note hmm. Sounds like that foot disgust guy. anywhere or <laughs> foot guy. I didn't notice it discussed anywhere what type of porn this hmm. was. Everyone just uh and, and I will also say I did not have the ability to read transcripts from this trial. Hmm. This is just stuff I gathered from the appellate records, um, well, from the appeals and habeas decisions. Okay. Not the records not the for those. The records. Right. Okay. I didn't have access to those. Um so they Why do we introduced even have Westlaw. I mean, if we can't look that stuff up, 
I mean, right? I, I, I'm sure I could have probably reached out to the prosecutor's office since they have a little page on it. Oh, that's true. Uh, on their website and ask them for some of that information. Dude, we could interview them on the podcast. <clears throat> I mean, it's a it's possibility. True. Maybe we'll reach out and episode three, <gasps> Aftermath, we'll have... Could have an interview. Have an interview, maybe. Shady, right. shady Aftermath? Yeah. <laughs> so they they introduced testimony with regard to Joe Masanti's death to explain the course of the investigation. They introduce the evidence of the affairs, the pornography addiction, um, as evidence of his motive to want to be free from Betty Jean mm -hmm. and their marriage. Yeah, because she had busted feet. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the feet thing. <laughs> um, <sighs> included in the testimony about the affairs, they put on the stand one woman he actually had an affair with for a long time. And amongst her testimony was statements that he had made about how he would never divorce. Mm. Um, so they had all of those things in there. Um, Jesus prefers murder over divorce. Right. Um, write, it, write it down. Facts. They're, they're both pretty frowned upon from mm. what I understand, depending on who you ask. Yeah. But uh, they also have all of the forensic evidence and testimony that we discussed with regard to Betty Jean's death. The blood they the found blood. in the garage, the testing of that, the photographs with the luminol um, of that blood, the evidence with regard to the blood stains in the car, um, where they located the blood, um, the crimes or the crash reconstructionist that they had come in and testify that it was actually a low speed impact, um, you grocery know, cart. grocery cart style <laughs> and um, all of those things. Um they did, however, also file a 404B notice to introduce evidence of Jules' murder to prove motive, MO, and most of all, lack of accident. Cheryl, it's been a minute. Yes. <laughs> it's been a minute. Have we educated them on 404B? Have we discussed previously? I don't believe we have. I don't know that we have. Mm -hmm. Give it to them, shouty. So, uh, Rule 404B of the Rules of Evidence, uh, the federal rules and most states have rules modeled on the federal rules, so they're all 404Bs. Um, that's when you have evidence of what's called other crimes, wrongs, or acts of a defendant that you would like to introduce in the course of the trial for a specifically stated purpose. Well, Cheryl, can I just use them to show that they're a bad person or that in a particular event, they acted in accordance with that character? Absolutely not. Oh. Yeah, so this is this is a rule in place because sometimes there are instances where something that someone has done before is very relevant to what they're charged with um, for one of the enumerated reasons. You can never introduce evidence that somebody's done bad stuff before, therefore they must have done this bad thing now because they're a bad person. Uh, the law does not allow that. So a lot of people always want to introduce evidence of things that shady stuff people have done in the past. It is just not admissible. However, if you're using it to prove motive, identity, modus operandi, lack of accident, lack of mistake, those sorts of things, you can introduce crime, wrongs, or acts. You have to have uh, a hearing on it with the court before trial so that the court can make a determination that this was uh, an act that was committed by the person, that there's a uh, cause that they committed it and that it is 
relevant for the appropriate purpose to be admitted. The judge also has to make a determination as to whether or not it's overly prejudicial uh, or whether its probative value outweighs its prejudicial value. Substantially outweighed. Substantially outweighed. Well, it flips that rule on its head. Right. In 404B, yeah, because it's got to be more probative than prejudicial. I mean, at least that's the way it's phrased. Mm-hmm. And 403 is substantially is more, more prejudicial, prejudicial than probative, probative yeah. to keep it out. Uh-huh. Uh, so the prosecutors have filed this 404B notice uh, to introduce <clears throat> oh. evidence of Jules' murder. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So 404B. Oh. Yeah. If you don't know, now you know. Whoop, whoop. 404B. Right. You don't know 404B whole, you ain't ready for that. Right. Mm-hmm. That maybe that'll come later. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> now that we're talking about Jules' murder, let's bounce back to talk about some further steps they took in the reinvestigation of her death mm-hmm. uh, to try to nail down whether or not this was in fact a murder. Because if you'll recall, they did have an autopsy in Jules Shermer's case. However, They don't have any other evidence existing from the time of her death. Mm -hmm. They don't have any records of what they was doing, uh, any objective evidence of what their relationship was like, why he might want to be rid of her. Um, They don't have a lot of that because she died some years ago at this point. So, So how did they demonstrate that that was more probative than prejudicial? I mean, if the evidence was old girl fell down a flight of stairs and died and we think he done it. That's all they had? Here's what they did. Mm. Uh, I said after he was charged with Betty Jean's death, they also reopened the investigation into Joel Shermer's death. And here's what they did in that investigation. Part two. Part two. So they, what they do have is the parsonage at the United, <clears throat> Bethany United Methodist Church, where the Shermers resided and down the basement stairs of which Joel Shermer is alleged to have fallen. Till death do us part. Met her demise. So what they do is they go out and they take some crash test dummies. Yes. I like where this is going. And they cover their heads in chalk. Have have we lost the jury, Chad? Chad, Chad, <laughs> Chad, you lost them. You lost the jury, Chad. They cover their heads in chalk. Uh, and they alternately just sort of stand them at the top of the stairs and let them go and see how they fall, where they hit their heads, how many impacts uh, at various angles. Um, They quickly discovered that if you just let a dummy go at the top of the stairs, just let gravity Do do its thing, most of the time, in fact, I don't think any of the times, the body ever got to the bottom of the stairs. Oh. Um, so then they started shoving the crash test dummies down the stairs, Mm -hmm. uh, same sort of way. They found that, uh, all of the crash test dummies who reached the bottom of the stairs had significant injuries other than head injuries. Uh, they also did not have nearly as many impacts to the head as Jewel Shermer was found to have in her autopsy. Hashtag the staircase. Indeed. Um, guess who is in on this experiment, BT Dubs? Is it your man, Rick Ross? Dr. Wayne motherfucker Ross. Oh, Wayne Ross. Lil so, Wayne, Lil Wayne. Rick so he Ross, is, he's part of this continued investigation. I did want to talk a little bit about him because I did look him up. You don't say. You like I, him. I do. He's cool. Uh, 
And he appeared on all these documentaries that I watched talking about. And he spoke so confidently in his results and about the science. Like he was dropping words and I was like, those words sound real sciencey. I was just really impressed with him. So I know a jury would be really impressed with him as a witness. Authoritative. Right. So, but dude, dude is a, a medical examiner and he's out here chucking crash test dummies down, down a flight of stairs. He has a lot of areas of expertise. He's a jack of all trades. You could say. I see. Um, so I tried <clears throat> to trace his, uh, his life back so far. I'll array. Great white buffalo. Likes to dig into the lives I of do these love people. We be people. name dropping everybody on this podcast. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I did. That was my bad. We about to be famous. I did it again. <laughs> Oops. Which one of these is Wayne Ross? You showed uh, us Wayne Ross last time, didn't you? This Kyle guy. Land. This guy. Yes. Okay. So, Doctor Ross is a you. 1979 graduate of Clark University. Where that? Uh, Massachusetts. Yep. Oh. Uh, he had degrees in chemistry and English in 1983, he graduated with his MD from Thomas Jefferson university medical college in Philadelphia. Okay. He did his residency at Emory university school of medicine in, uh, anatomic and clinical pathology. Hmm. He has, uh, in large part been employed as a medical examiner and forensic pathologist, uh, for both Lancaster County, Pennsylvania and Dauphin County, Pennsylvania. Oh, yes. He also consults with other surrounding counties uh, doing forensic pathology work. He is also a clinical assistant professor of pathology at Penn State. Um, he also has a private consulting firm that he is associated with. Uh, his areas of expertise and consulting as listed on their website include forensic pathology, bloodstain pattern interpretation, injury causation analysis, and biomechanics. I love that stuff. That's great white buffalo stuff. Yes, mm -hmm. exactly. He reminds me a lot of him. Mm. So also that, in, in looking at things about Dr. Ross, I found pretty quickly that he has, he, the other thing that impresses me about him, he's testified not in favorable ways to the state. Okay. Um, there was a specific case I found that was a child death case in uh, 2002 where the state had charged someone with child abuse and he actually testified uh, for the defendant in that case. His testimony was that the injuries to this child were absolutely explained by the explanation given by the caregiver. Um, so I, I always appreciate it when there's an expert who isn't always just whoever right. pays me to yeah, say something is what I'm going to say. Right. He, through his work as an ME, had this case where he testified and his testimony turned out to be favorable for the defendant in the criminal case. Um, Calls him like he sees him. Yeah. yeah. So appreciate I always appreciate it. that. That's what I want to see in a, a professional. Yeah, right. Um, that what what the evidence is telling me is what the evidence is telling me. I'm not going to color it with my, you know, subjective, whatever mm -hmm. I bring to it. Mm -hmm. um, so he's he's in on this crash test dummy stuff. Um, and <clears throat> after the findings they conduct from this experiment. Did they trip any of these crash test dummies with vacuum cords? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about that. 
I know that they they drop them at uh, varying places, but ultimately it was uh, pretty much decided. Oh, and I should also mention, and I think I mentioned this during our first episode, mm-hmm. Jules' brother, John Bainey, had given the police information way back when as well that he thought there were some walls and things that were cleaned in the Shermer residence. Mm-hmm. So the information taken from him and the evidence obtained from this experiment that pretty much showed a fall down the stairs has dramatically different injuries than what we see in Jules Shermer. Uh, they finally got her manner of death changed to homicide. Woo! Did they? Ever... That's bold. That's not even undetermined, <clears throat> right? Just, they, they're well, calling. It was undetermined when it just looked sketchy. Now we've actually done some experiments. We've gotten some testimony from folks. We know a little bit more information, and it's been changed to homicide. So with the with the information from the brother about oh, I saw a dude cleaning the walls, looked real suspect. Did anybody ever do like? Luminol testing anywhere in this basement or wherever that these walls were apparently being. I mean, this would have been years and years later, right? Yeah. We're talking about this investigation was happening in 2010 and she died in like 99. Oh, Hmm. yeah. Plenty of other murders have happened in that house. (laughs) True. We can't tell anymore. Don't know whose blood that is. Slaughterhouse. Um, So, yeah. During the course of the three-year gap between him being charged with Betty Jean's death and the start of the trial, they have finished the investigation into Jules' death. It's been determined to be a homicide. I am quite frankly unsure of when exactly it is he gets charged Charged with with the death of Jules Sharmer, but he does. Mm -hmm. Um, So you don't know if it's prior to the trial or... The trial in the other I case. do not. I can tell you that the issue was they <clears throat> they died in two different jurisdictions. Two different I was going to ask you that. So um, while the the counties, I think, tried to communicate somewhat with regard to the timing of things that were happening, mm-hmm. because they had witnesses in common that they had to be in different places. Um, the Lancaster County and Dolphin County have or wait, I think it was Lancaster County, Monroe County mm. have no control over when the other does what. So, um, but I wasn't able to find any records on when exactly he was charged with Jules' death. But regardless, even if he hadn't been charged at a 404B hearing, they could still bring in what evidence they had of his commission of that offense right. for the court to find cause that he had done it and that yeah. it was admissible, relevant evidence. Um, so you don't necessarily have to be charged. You just have to demonstrate <clears throat> to your court that there's the evidence there. Yeah, and in fact, I mean, usually that someone was charged with an offense isn't in and of itself competent evidence. you got to show like that it said, happened. Right. Right. You have to show independent proof that you you want to admit in the trial that you're working on. So we've got all of the evidence that pertains to um, the pornography addiction, all the evidence with regard to the affairs, his statements, his statements about how he would never divorce different statements as to why that was. Um, Wait, I know we joked about it, about his uh, fetish, but um, what theory did they get the porn in on again? <laughs> well, the the regular <laughs> pornography stuff they introduced just as additional evidence that he had He's this a, the sexual motive. 
Right. He is not sexually satisfied in this relationship. Oh, Billie that Jean he has is not keeping him content. Betty Jean. Oh, Betty Jean. <laughs> Billie Jean. <laughs> um, so that he's in with Betty Jean and she got to go. Yeah. He won't divorce. She needs a, a little strange. Yeah. She got to go. She a lady in the streets, but she need to be a freak in the sheets. Yeah. And she ain't. Mm-mm. Or at least she ain't no more. Mm. Yeah. So. Feet are gross. However. Knobby <laughs> <laughs> little talons yeah, down she there. was all right. And then she started wearing them shoes. Got her toe all wank, all janking, all <laughs> cockeyed. You know what I'm saying? I don't know where the foot Yeah, I, I can't. <laughs> Y'all can't, just making up down on those feet no more. Doesn't he have enough problems <clears throat> without got, also being labeled with a foot fetish? Girl got these bunions. That's not even true. <laughs> Corns and shit. So, after all of the introduction of all this evidence, uh, the state rests. And when I say they had everybody testify in this case, mm-hmm. I mean everybody. Police investigators, church investigators. They had old Samantha Masanti up in there mm-hmm. telling her story about what done happened. Sammy Masanti. Um, they had family members. They had the accident reconstructionist. Well, which they makes had sense. old Dr. Ross talking about the injuries to Betty Jean. Because it's all circumstantial like that. So you, right. you got to put everything out there. Right. So Whoa. much. <clears throat> so much. So there's 10 days of testimony total okay. in the trial. Okay. Uh, eventually, though, after the state rests, the time comes that everyone has been waiting for. And so, being somewhat curious about, including the prosecutors, A.B. Shermer decides to take the stand. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. So the D.A. says that he wasn't sure how this would go. Shermer certainly has a reputation for having superlative speaking skills and Got his to. charisma and his power of persuasion Hi! as right <laughs> as as a pastor are all things that he's known for. So <laughs> they were kind of worried that he might be a really good witness. Hit yeah. Him, hit him with that James Brown. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Going to credit him with that. Yeah. Yeah. The spirit take you. <laughs> no, I, I would be I would be worried about. Yeah. I'm sure he's a good so, speaker. So, by all accounts, this guy goes up. He takes the witness chair and faces it toward the jury immediately, mm. like a professional pro. witness would do. He a pro. Right. He is speaking to these people. Let me talk does, to Does you. he have a just because in sort of higher profile cases like this, I'm always interested. Does he have a high high profile, high caliber defense Lawyers? attorneys or how's he rolling? Yeah. So... I don't. I didn't hear that his defense attorney was well known or known for much of anything. Okay, he actually seemed to be a younger guy. Uh, hair, the hair on him is what I remember the most. Mm. Uh, dude's hair. Let me find a picture. You got a picture? Yeah. You Look, told me to get <clears throat> pictures, of everybody. So I, like, like Doc Brown or? Uh, I mean, kind of. Oh, really? More like a. Oh. Whoa! Wow! wow. That's a look. Wow. Yeah, that's a statement haircut right there, or lack of haircut. Yes, it's like, like shoulder curly, length, very curly. Kenny G. Yes. Yeah. Yes. He looks a lot like Kenny G. Um, so that's that's his attorney. Um, his attorney, of course, takes the position that, you know, these crash test dummies, junk science, doesn't mean anything. Uh, how y'all going to come in here talking about this blood stain, luminol stuff? Uh, y'all fabricated these pictures. Mm-hmm. Uh, this you can't see this luminol in the daytime. You you altered these photographs, and what they did was, as I explained oh, when I talked about this, I they have to take this is in a garage, in order to get 
a sense of where the luminol stains are in the room because the room has to be completely dark with the specific lighting that you're using to light the luminol. They take that photograph and they overlay that with the photograph where you can see the room and the blood stains you can see with your naked eye so that you can see where the blood stains with the luminol are in the context of the room. Witchcraft. So they gave all this over in Discovery, but he's still making a big deal out of these photographs and how they're... I'm sure he challenged in pretrial as well. So, uh, of course, the biggest issue he has that he sees in the case is the fact that the judge let evidence of Jules Shermer's death in. That's not relevant here. He didn't kill Jules Shermer either. Um, He's just this unfortunate guy who keeps losing wives to tragic accidents. It's terrible. Yes. This coincidence. Freak accidents. All these wives be dying. Yeah. Um, So Shermer is going to testify. He moves the chair over like a professional jury. He is talking to these folks. Mm -hmm. Uh, People say he is very cold in his demeanor. He does not come across very warm or likable. Okay. Looking Uh, real murdery. He admits, because of the introduction of all these affairs and the pornography, he admits- You gotta own that. He admits fully that he is a bad person and he has done bad things, but murder is not something that he did or that he would do. Mm. Um, He, by all accounts, also oversold this crash. Mm talking about losing control of the vehicle and the vehicle spinning, making it sound like it's just turning in circle after circle. And Betty Jean's body is just unrestrained and flopping all over the car and hitting mm. off every surface, um, <laughs> which is totally contrary to any of the physical evidence. That, that Bible he swore in on just catches fire. Yeah, right. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? So uh, he way oversells the crash, yeah. which talk, talk about a crash out of like Days of Thunder or something, mm-hmm. right? And it's just a little bent fender. Yeah, that's basically. It's like, bro, we saw the pictures. You right. you were here when we looked at the pictures in the state's case, and now you're like, no, that ain't what the picture showed. Not only did we see the pictures, you was in the car too, and you was fine. Mm. Ain't nothing happened to you. They also had those bystanders who came by and said that dude seemed unconcerned about the fact right. that there was blood all over the passenger side of his car. His wife was struggling to breathe and he had a phone and didn't even call 911. Yeah. How come we, when we rolled up, you was pinching her nose, homie. <laughs> <laughs> She's over there gurgling. Yeah. So, um, he knows, uh, when he gets off the stand that he did not do well for himself. Huh. Uh, some of the newspaper outlets reported that uh, he made a statement to the deputy marshal as he was leaving the courtroom that he just sent himself to prison for life. Um, so I, I think he had the understanding that he did not do himself any favors by testifying defendants rarely. <laughs> they do. rarely do. do. Mm-hmm. Um, so then on January 23rd, 2013, as I said, following a 10-day trial, the jury deliberates. You know how long they deliberated for? One hour and 17 minutes. So close. 90 minutes. Damn so it might have been that. Damn it. Might have been that. Dang, son. Deliberated for 90 minutes, and he is convicted of the first-degree murder of Betty Jean Shermer and also evidence tampering, because why not just throw on... <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want to throw on. What, what did he that say? is a straight what circumstantial case, though. And and uh, for an hour, an hour and a half? That's great. Good work, prosecutor in Monroe County. I believe. I will double check that. There but I mean, go. if you get, <clears throat> I mean, I guess on appeal, the <clears throat> issue is whether 
all of this it's 404B. Ex- yeah, circumstantial extraneous information is relevant and, yeah. and, and unduly prejudicial because if I'm on the jury and you're telling me all that stuff that you just told me, the, the, the case Specifically far, the feet. Yeah, the feet, <laughs> number one, on, on top of the most you know persuasive piece of evidence. Uh, if you give me that evidence, it ain't taking an hour and 17 minutes. I mean, maybe if I take a lunch in there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. But- like, there is so much evidence on that dude. Yeah. yeah. Betty Jean's death was in Monroe County and Jules' death was in Lebanon County. Hey. Um, So, yeah, they they decide. And I, the other thing, the purse thing always bothered me, too. Like, she is dressed in, like, not her pajamas and you're going to the hospital because you don't feel well. And you don't and have your ID have, or medical right. card or none of that stuff. Yeah, that is true. I forgot about that. Um, but yeah, like you said, there's so much evidence. I think juries sometimes think they have to sit and discuss, recap what the evidence was, see if they agree. And I think that's fair. Like they want to make sure they're fairly deliberating the case and giving it the attention that it deserves. Sometimes they just guilty though. I mean, yeah. Right. You know, but one of them jurors was like, where your draws is. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. That's why I said. Where that purse is though. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) The uh, the the TV show we watched based upon the staircase case that we call this the murder room for because we oh, got murder yeah. boards. Yeah, was that called trial and error? Yes, trial yes. and error. I believe they did the uh, the uh, spoiler alert. If you want to watch that series, it's really good. The first season, I didn't watch the second season because I don't it like that, that Chenoweth girl. Yeah, I love John Lithgow though. Great, he was in the first season. He was wonderful. Um, murder board, murder <laughs> board. Right, so. They have a, a trial in that case. And again, spoiler alert, don't want to ruin it for you. Mm-hmm. But the jury goes out to deliberate and they almost immediately come and get the guy. And he's like, well, it's been 15 minutes. It takes eight minutes to get to the jury room. <laughs> like he, they deliberated real fast. So again, 90 minutes. I think that's a fair amount of time for them to have talked about what the evidence was and to, you know take a consensus on whether or not that they, they feel like he's guilty and they definitely did. Mm -hmm. So on March 18th, 2013, there's a sentencing hearing held and predictably AB Shermer is sentenced to life. Um, how's it work in PA? He get parole? No, no real life. Yeah. Real life. Life. No take backsies. Right. Okay. Right. Uh, but just in case, on June 30th, 2014, A.B. walks in and pleads no contest to third-degree murder for the death of Jules Shermer. Oh. And on September 10th of 2014, he's sentenced to 40 years in prison, which is ordered to be served consecutively to the life Damn. sentence. What uh, Betty Jean. So, Yeah, I wonder what the elements yeah, are. Say elementally, degree. what's third-degree murder? I do not know. Oh, okay. Yes, I do not know. See, I, I, I'm just, I'm not bringing the game I brought with Darlie Routier. Oh, that's all right. That's all right. Um, but I mean, just because he's, he's been convicted <clears throat> of two murders, don't, don't fool yourself into believing. It's over. That everyone believes that he actually did this. Oh, he got some. Free, his daughters. out of jail. His okay. daughters with Jewel Shermer, especially the one girl. If you ever watch any of the episodes, you know what you want to talk about. She's been extremely outspoken in support of her father's innocence. To the point where she said she does not believe the physical evidence from the autopsies. He She's, pled to the second one. Or she, technically the first, the first in time. Right? Yeah, the, first the death time. of their mother. She He pled to it. Well, no contest, but still, he pled to it. And she's like, he ain't do it. Right. 
Okay. He only did that because he got wrongfully convicted of Betty Jean. And what's the, why put us all through another proceeding when he doesn't have anything to gain? He's already in prison for life for being wrongfully convicted of Betty Jean's murder. Um, uh, whatever. I, he's I see it the poor, poor dad. opposite way. But right. So she on the, the 48 hours episode is like, uh, she's like, and I heard somebody said that, that my mother had 14 blows to the head and that's just not true. And the interviewer's like, yeah, that was the medical examiner. And she's like, one man said that. I don't believe that. <laughs> Demanded examined debility. Right. Um, she does not. She And they were like, people fall down the stairs all the time, which is true. But how many people do you know have fallen down the stairs and died? None. Especially falling down the stairs and died from injuries not consistent with a fall down the stairs. Yeah, that's rough. Um, she, this daughter testified at trial. She spoke at sentencing. Um, the judge in the case, whose name is Margarita Patty Worthington. <laughs> or what? Worthington. Mm. Um, judge Marg. Yeah. So she stated that she understood that Shermer's family continued to believe in his innocence and that it would be even more painful for them to do otherwise. So she was sympathetic right before, you know, she dropped the hammer on him and sentenced him to life. Um, I'd have been like, Miss, you're an idiot. So Cindy, old Cindy, Missanti, uh, went back very quickly to her maiden name of Moyer. She remains with A.B., Although never married, she reportedly sees herself as his wife. She has relationships with his children. One of his daughters even said that her kids call her Mimi now. Uh, gross. Right after his uh, conviction and sentencing, she told everybody that she 100% believes in AB's innocence. Um, she even made a statement such as, I, I'm not one of those people who's blinded to the truth. I just happen to believe 100% in a person that I love, uh, okay. which has blinded you to the truth. Yeah. Who murdered your husband? Well, yeah. What's up? What's good I with mean, that? He committed suicide. Mm -hmm. That and was he, determined he to be a suicide. We he, talked about that. And he ain't killed nobody else neither. Yeah. Uh-huh. They ain't never brought that back up. They just let that lie. What? Was definitely a suicide. Definitely a suicide. They talked about it during the course of Betty Jean's trial for context of why they reopened the investigation mm -hmm. into Betty Jean's death after Joe's suicide. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, Joe's death was determined to be a suicide. <clears throat> oh, do you um, want to know about third degree murder? Oh, yeah. Did you look it up? Yeah. Their stuff is hard. They go hard in PA. Murder in the first degree is regular, you know, murder in the first degree everywhere. Uh the penalty for first degree murder in Pennsylvania is either death or life in prison without parole. Second degree murder is felony murder in Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, if you commit felony murder, mandatory sentence for second degree murder is life in prison with no chance of parole. I have yet to hear anybody say a thing about parole and we already working down to murder three, which is... Any other murder that is not murder in the first or second degree, generally it involves killing another person without premeditation as long as it wasn't committed while committing another felony. The penalty for this is 10 to 20 years in prison. And then we go down. Then how did he get 40 years? I don't even know. 
Maybe there were some hidden charges up in there. Maybe he pled to a couple things. No? No, that was pretty much what Well, maybe it's changed. Maybe they got a little softer on their third-degree murderers uh, at the legislature since this case. I don't well, know. Yeah. Um, and then you got manslaughter. I just... I, nowhere in there does it say parole <laughs> eligibility for any kind of murder. Hmm. Other than, I guess, third-degree murder, I presume you're going to get some parole eligibility with a 10 to 20. Uh, this is also... Okay, this information is not coming from like a necessarily <laughs> legit source. <laughs> you used your Google machine. It, I used my to Google whatever. machine, and it took me to a uh, what appears to be a defense firm that looks great. <laughs> Just uh, featured in the Philadelphia Inquirer and on TV. Well, I can let you know that the uh, courts all agree that he pled no contest to third degree and was sentenced to 40 years. Okay. Uh, so yeah, Cindy uh, still believes in old AB, uh, has relationships with his kids. Sam, however, has no relationship with her mother. She doesn't feel like she is the same person who raised her. She wishes that she could see AB for who he really is, which is someone who finds and grooms vulnerable people for his own will and pleasure. Seems like Sam's got a little, little bit of sense about her. Sam knows what's up. Exactly. Um, and that's the other thing. A lot of these affairs that came out with regard to the investigation was in the church investigation where he was found to be acting inappropriately with parishioners who sometimes he was doing regular counseling or marriage counseling with mm -hmm. um so while there are still people who support ab um betty jean Shermer has adult children they were very happy to see ab rot uh in prison for the rest of his life as well as the rest of her family and jules Shermer's family members like her brother mr bainey as well they were um i won't say they were satisfied with the verdict but at least they felt that the person who caused the death of their loved ones is being held accountable for it in some way. Yeah. Uh, the appeal stuff gets interesting to me, um, especially in a couple ways. I know we talked about uh, them introducing evidence of whether he was right-handed. Yeah. That, that, that comes up through all this. So um, he filed an appeal and make sure I got my dates all in. We got my date machine here. Uh, so he appeals Betty Jean's direct files a direct appeal for Betty Jean's conviction in um, September of 2013. What? Why? You took. <laughs> but why? You walked in on the other case and took 40 years on the chin, but you're going to appeal this one? Yes. You're an idiot. That's why I said, so, why did you plead straight up to the other one? If you're going to fight it on appeal, lose first. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, God, I hate. Mm. All right. Yeah. These. Mm. <laughs> so on appeal, he alleges error in the introduction of evidence pertaining to Jewel Shermer's murder. He objects to evidence pertaining to Joan Musanti's suicide. He objects to the introduction of what he calls the altered digital images of Luminol. Uh, he claims that he was denied the ability to present relevant testimony from a witness on his own behalf. So what that is about is he wanted to present the testimony of Jewel Shermer's hairdresser, <laughs> who says that on the day she died in 1999, she came to get her hair did that morning and everything seemed fine. 
Well, well, golly. It was until she got dead later that day. Yeah. Right. Also, I will remind you, to do this is the trial for Betty Jean Shermer's death. Right. So they weren't trying Jules Shermer's death. Granted, they introduced it for a specific purpose under 404B, but he wanted to call this witness with regard to Jules' death. And the court denied that because they didn't find it to be relevant to Betty Jean's death at all. You don't Which say. was a firm, um, sound ruling. And then he challenged the uh, search warrant. So uh, the court pretty quickly dispatches of all of his uh, issues on direct appeal. Mm -hmm. But that ain't going to stop him from the habeas. It is not. And the habeas is when it gets fun. The habeas. Mm -hmm. Yes. He's like, but did you see her feet, though? Yeah. (laughs) So he files the state habeas. In 2017, mm. um, he brings claims of ineffective assistance of counsel. He that states that the state, the Commonwealth, it's a Commonwealth in Pennsylvania. That's yeah. right. Uh, violated violated for, Brady versus Maryland <laughs> by failing to disclose Brady. data used to right young blood and Brady. 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 Uh, violated Did Brady Tom versus. Tom Katie do that? Uh-huh. Tom Stanley. No. Oh, oh, I was like, that was a Tom Katie type. Tom Stanley never did that. But every time <laughs> Tim did it as an impression of Tom, it reminded you of Tom. I oh. don't remember Tom ever doing the thing with his jowls, but no. every time Tim did it, you knew he was talking about. You knew about, he was talking about yeah. Tom Stanley. Everything is Brady and Brady is everything. Right. I love Tom Stanley. Yeah. Anyway. R.I.P. Um, he alleges that the Commonwealth violated Brady versus Maryland by failing to disclose data used to generate blood spatter photographs. So the luminol pictures. Back to these photos. Instead of challenging the admissibility of the photographs, now he's framed it as a Brady issue. How? But it was disclosed, were, yeah. though, right? What was not disclosed, according to him? Right. That will, That's the problem. That's the problem. Um, he... <laughs> seems to attempt to allege that there were um first he alleges that there's some sort of data that they get when they're overlaying the pictures that were not disclosed then he sort of segues into saying i didn't get the original photos but clearly he did because they're in evidence um and then lastly, he says that the trial court lacked subject matter jurisdiction. And he alleges that because <laughs> he, alleges, he alleges that the Pennsylvania statute, which defies murder, is uh, unconstitutionally vague. I bet that was a winner. I bet that's what got him out. Is he right? out? Is he out now because of this? No, no? no not, at oh. all. not at all. I'm surprised. You are not. <laughs> <You stop. laughs> so this is what. Y'all can't prosecute me for murder. His, this is what his ineffective assistance of counsel claims were. They're pretty interesting. First, did you see dude's hair? Right. Next Look argument. at him. Uh, no saxophone. He states <laughs> that counsel should have objected to the following things that occurred. <clears throat> Comments from the prosecutor made during opening and closing statements. No, that's bad form. So if you object during opening or closing, I'm this kick is you where in, the nuts. in closing, the prosecutor starts calling him the sinister minister. Ah, that's where it comes from. That's where it comes from. And he got real upset because that's real catchy. It is. And also very insulting. I mean, but um, is it true? But I mean, right? it's better than being called a murderer. Right. And they found you guilty of that too. It's, what about the deacon who be freaking? Right. <laughs> that's my favorite. The deacon who be freaking. So 
Uh, <laughs> he says that the prosecutor calling him the sinister minister was absolutely <clears throat> inappropriate. That's why they only took 90 minutes. And they, uh, they said that is appropriate oratory flair. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I know all about that oratory flair. I know you do. Deacon who be freaking. Deacon who be freaking. So uh, the he did not object to the Commonwealth's cross-examination of the appellant about his masturbation. Oh, they got into it on the stand? Tell me there's a transcript about him jerking it. Hold on. There is a small transcript from that part of... <laughs> Appellate courts be like, here you yes. go. So the appellant claims... Let me, let me read you a little. I'm not right-handed. Oh, you don't smack your dick with your right hand? Yeah, that's going to be great. Okay. This is from the appellate opinion. Appellant claims that the Commonwealth delving into appellant gratifying himself, even to the point of asking which hand he masturbates with, not only was irrelevant, but had been consciously chosen by the Commonwealth to be embarrassing and prejudicial to the defendant. Appellant's claim focuses on the following exchange. Commonwealth. And you told Cindy that you weren't getting any sex from your wife. Appellant, I did tell Cindy that. Question, and you were taking care of yourself? Mm. Answer, yes, sir. Question, your right hand? Answer, yes, sir. So, it's a very polite way to go about that line of questioning. Yes. So the court finds that this questioning was not reversible mm -hmm. because the Commonwealth's entire case was built around the motive of a deteriorating and sexless relationship, yeah. driving the appellant to infidelity and eventually murder. Motive. And also the Commonwealth needed evidence of appellant's preferred hand for their summation. In closing, they argued, bear in mind that the appellant is right-handed. Remember, he talked about that. So he gets his wife in the car. She's out. He reaches in with his left hand. He moves the mirror out of the way, leaving those bloody marks consistent with finger marks there. Then with his right hand, with the murder weapon, with that metal object, he strikes and makes that little crack because there's blood there. Mm -hmm. So he used the fact that he was right-handed in closing argument. My problem with this oh, no. is that how do you know because he masturbates with his right hand that he's right-handed? I mean, interesting question. Appreciate, <clears throat> I appreciate the the effort and the thought that yeah. went into getting that in there. I mean, it's a crafty but, way of eliciting that factoid. But man, I mean, yeah. you couldn't. Nobody in all of these witnesses are you right-handed? Yeah, y'all yeah. know which hand you're right or with. Just wa watch him if he's writing notes to his lawyer during yeah. trial. Ask him on cross. Put up an, a a. a Witness who's familiar with him in your case in chief go, what hand do you write with? Or also, if you you're killing somebody someone, with something? if you're killing someone, you use both hands. Yeah, true. I mean, I mean, if you're swinging something like that, yeah, I would think. I who, don't know. Who one handed? I mean, unless I mean, if I'm just if if I'm it's the point where you're actually killing the person with an object, you'd have that in your dominant hand. Yeah. But I'm talking about afterwards with the setup, if you're wedging yourself in a car with the body. Mm. I mean, you use whatever hand is most yeah. convenient to use. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. Um, but anyway, they they denied his uh, allegations against uh, for so using the masturbation question. Did, did I understand you said that they they agreed that that was improper? But, no, they but said that was fine, but it was harmless. Mm. No, they just said he's not entitled to relief on that claim. Oh, okay, because it was introduced for an appropriate purpose. Both, oh, so both for motive in why he wanted to kill Betty Jean and also in getting what hand was his dominant hand for purposes of explaining well, physical so the, evidence. So the impropriety bit, that was what he was saying. That was what he was Correct. alleging. Correct. Okay, That's gotcha, what gotcha. he was alleging. But I mean, if you, I mean, 
right? For for it to make. I mean, I get that because it doesn't have to be rock solid. You could just say it's more likely that he would use his right hand because he said he uses his right hand for that. So he's more likely right handed sure. to use that. You know, you don't have to Spanker. make it make it every time he spanks with this hand. So this is what he, you know, it's still probative, I guess is my point. Like, it, it's not like a slam dunk part well, of your closing argument. It's not argument. like he belabored the point. Right. It sounds like he just. It was just a mention. Touch and go. Yeah. It was just a mention to get what he needed out of it um and then he said that his client or his counsel should have objected to direct examination of sergeant mark holtmaster that alleged allegedly allowed him to testify to an opinion regarding the appellant's truthfulness which was not the case so basically there was an objection at the beginning of sergeant holtmaster's holtmaster's testimony because he seemed to be indicating his opinion with regard to the truthfulness of the statement that Shermer was giving him. He was the one questioning Shermer while they were doing the search warrant. So he was asking him about the woodpile stuff. And the court had a sidebar and it was like, you just need to stick to the factual recitation of what occurred, what was said, period. Don't offer your opinion of anything. Uh, or he said to the state, don't ask him, don't elicit his opinion on anything. Yeah. The witnesses involved <clears throat> in the sidebar. Um, so he told the prosecutor, don't elicit his opinion about anything. Just ask him questions about factually what was said. So in the course of Sergeant Holtzmaster's testimony, he gets to the point where he's like, yeah, so I was asking him about the woodpile because it seemed like a really strange scenario he was giving me. It was a real small woodpile for it to do that much damage to somebody. So eventually he admitted to me that that was not true and that he's complaining that that was an opinion as to his truthfulness, but no, no, that, that was, was a admission. factual statement that the defendant said that's not true. Um, so he lost with that as well. Grasping his straws, homie. You're. But his daughter really believe him though. Yeah. 100%. I mean, she do. She do. You didn't kill moms or this other broad. Oh, Snoop. On Snoop, indeed. On um, Crip. So yeah, there's all the testimony about the woodpile, <laughs> the pictures. Now, this habeas, of course, is denied. Um, and then he files a federal habeas. Ooh. And this is what I really want to talk about, because I don't know whether it's the freedom that you feel as a judge who's appointed for life to your position. <laughs> Just to it. put him on blast. That you can wait. say whatever <clears throat> you feel like saying. <clears throat> but I appreciated so much yeah. the sass in this opinion. It's good to hear some federal sass. Um, what, what is this? Is this ain't got to get elected? Never. Middle District of Pennsylvania. This is the I don't know United they... District Court, uh, Middle District, Pennsylvania. Okay. Yes, Look that is you, correct. Son. So. Um, they, in their introduction, at the end of their introduction, they say, despite the physical evidence and Shermer's repeated deceits, all of which tied him to the murder of his second wife, Shermer argues that he is entitled to a new trial based on his trial counsel's alleged ineffectiveness, as well as alleged instances of prosecutorial misconduct. Mm. However, we find that Shermer's conviction is a product of his demonstrable guilt and his <laughs> arguments to the contrary plainly <laughs> lack merit. Therefore, the for the following reasons, we will recommend that this petition be denied. So they go through and put this man on blast. Um, 
They just start with, bro, you guilty as fuck. And now let's tell you why. <laughs> now, let you me tell guilty. you. Let's uh, break and, you. And all calls. of this, he's basically uh they go through the procedural history, um, all of his claims. After review of the record, we find Shermer's conviction was the result of the compelling, incontrovertible physical evidence that revealed he had engaged in the calculated murder of his spouse and then deceitfully staged this murder to appear to be an accident. Given the overwhelming evidence of his guilt, Shermer's claims are entirely without merit. They do not warrant habeas relief, and we recommend that his petition be denied. So they go through their standard review, their um, all, all of their... Um, they agree that the comments were uh, oratory flair, where they're talking about sinister minister. Was he making the same arguments? Same arguments he made in the state habeas, okay. uh, including <clears throat> the um, questioning of Sergeant Holtzmaster, the Brady violations. The footnotes is where the magic is. That's where you always get blown up. I speak from um, experience. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they talk about... The introduction of evidence with regard to Joel Shermer's murder being used in Betty Jean's murder trial. Uh, and they say that um, Billy Jean Shermer was Arthur Shermer's second wife, and she was the second spouse who was murdered by the petitioner. In 1999... Shermer's first wife, Jules Shermer, passed away under mysterious circumstances that had that Shermer had, at the time of her death, described as an accident. When Shermer's second wife died under similarly similarly suspicious circumstances, similarly suspicious circumstances a is a lot of susses. Yeah. Police reopened their investigations into both deaths. Those investigations revealed that the cause of death for both Jewel and Betty Shermer was homicide. Mm. Moreover, in both instances, the victim's murder was committed through blunt force trauma to the victim's head that was then masked through the staging of the death as an apparent accident, a common modus operandi which Shermer used in executing both of his wives. Damn. Shermer later pleaded guilty to third-degree murder and the death of Jewel Shermer after the trial in the instant matter. Given his guilty plea to the murder of Jewel Shermer, the petitioner prudently has elected not to pursue any claims pertaining to the murder of his first wife in the instant federal habeas corpus petition mm -hmm. prudently then this is where they get him so remember i said that he was complaining that pennsylvania did not have subject matter jurisdiction because their homicide statute was not uh constitutional constitutional what about my constitution gotta get rid of all murder convictions because the statute in Pennsylvania so is i bet vague. the feds will do that yeah they did that, that right I they they go bet. through the discussion of pennsylvania's murder statute and how it's been upheld previously uh and how uh it, it, it's a fine statute so mm -hmm. then footnote number four shocks <clears throat> We are also constrained to note for Shermer that these settled tenets of Pennsylvania law forbidding murder reflect the timeless elements of our Judeo-Christian heritage, a heritage with which Shermer is intimately familiar and in that the book of Exodus states, you shall not murder, Exodus 2013. It strains credulity <laughs> to believe that Shermer was unclear or confused on this issue at the time that he murdered his second wife. Oh. This suggestion becomes particularly absurd in light of Shermer's guilty plea conviction relating to the murder of his first wife. Coming they at you from the burning bush. Let him have it. Woo. Let him have it. Ouch. Uh, and 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 that was uh that was it. 
Dang, that's fantastic. That was, I love uh, that they brought it. They brought in, the Bible. They, they, they got 20, biblical on his ass. In 2020, the federal court finally done told him about himself, and that was uh, See, his his federal habeas denial was affirmed and adopted by the court in February of 2020, and he has not filed anything since. Damn, Cheryl. So, so was what you just read? Was that the the report and recommendation of the magistrate? The federal magistrate and then the district court just adopted it? Yes. So whoever that magistrate is ain't playing. Nah. Lit him up. You talk you know. about you don't know murder is wrong. Ain't you a pastor? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You That's a fair you point. A fair point that never crossed my mind once when you were talking about his mm. bullshit constitutional uh, argument on the statute. Like, back Harkens back to our Judeo-Christian roots. Damn. Woo. Quotes Exodus, Adam. Digging deep. Uh, but yeah, the federal appeals court finally just let him have it. Well, hot take. Uh, he didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't even... I gotta, I gotta be honest. I don't have... I don't have anything on deck. I got to get to work, Cheryl. You you make me look bad. On yeah, this. I don't either. So oh, we're we're I, I've already got another case picked out. <laughs> oh my god, oh, yeah, she's a fact. I've already got I've already got about. another case picked out. This lady is a machine. Um, I I haven't thoroughly looked into it yet. Uh huh. But I have another case picked out. Um, it's a, it's a little bit different. It's also some weird sexual stuff in it. Yeah, nice. I like uh, get freaky. Real weird. weird mm -hmm. Real weird. But um. Yeah, I I was fascinated by the tale of the Sinister Minister and knew immediately it would be good podcast material. Um, just, you know, I, I don't want to get into the hypocrisy of it, but I feel like he was a man who was very concerned with his reputation, mm -hmm. his professional reputation, mm -hmm. as many murderers are, no matter what field they work in. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, just, I don't, I don't know what drove him. To, this is what I'd really like to ask him. Like if, if you ever get a chance to sit down and have an honest conversation with A.B. Shermer, mm -hmm. which he'll never do because he'll never admit to any of these murders. Yeah. Why, why kill Jewel? Like, was that really a heat of the moment killing? Mm -hmm. What happened with that? Mm -hmm. Because like you said, I think once you get away with killing that first wife, yeah. maybe Kelly, killing Betty Jean doesn't seem that far afield. Oh. But yeah, don't forget, he was married to Jewel Sharma for like 30 years. Yeah. They like met that's, in college that's and not, stuff. Um, that's but yeah, life. I, I that think. The, did they sing? Were they the singers together? Yes. They're the ones Ooh. who were the, the singing Sharma family. Yeah. But yeah, married for over 30 years and had three adult children. And I, I wish I knew where it all started to go wrong. Like, why are you did doing he, like that, Brad? Mm -hmm. Did he always have such purient interests? Purient? That's such a hard word to say. It is. P-R-U-R. Purient. Purient. And I have problems with R's anyway. Like the the name... Roy, the R and the Oi. Roy? Like you my, got problems with Roy? my my worst nightmare what about is Lee that Roy? golfer oh. Rory McElroy. Oh. I have to focus to say it. <laughs> um but yeah, like if I could look looking back like, and, and looking like Dr. Xavier over here, Charles Xavier trying <laughs> right? to say it. Rory McElroy, like concentrate, I can see you. Right. I'm reaching out to all the other Roy. <laughs> right. Um 
But yeah, like, where did it all go wrong? Did you always have, like, a porn thing? Right. When did it overcome you? Or did he break or, bad at some point? Right, or did yeah. he break bad at some point? Yeah. Like, after That's... after Jewel died, it just didn't fucking matter anymore, so mm-hmm. let's do whatever we want to do. Um, but yeah, I just... I, I, w- I would like to know where it all actually did go wrong. But I feel like he's one of those people that you're never going to get the truth out of. That's the problem. And, and you know the other thing? I wanted to talk about this a little bit, too, because... The family of A.B. Shermer, especially his kids with Joel, who mm-hmm. he clearly murdered. Yeah. Um, continuing to support their dad. I, like the judge said, like you get why they don't want to believe that their dad killed their mom because their dad's sure. all they have left. Right. Um, But like, I, I hope when you do die, like, I don't want to get into a conversation about what do you think happens when you die. Mm-hmm. But, like, one of the things I, I like to think about is, like, when you die, all of your questions get answered. Mm. Like, you're enlightened. Mm-hmm. Sort of like that truth will set you free kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Even if it's truth you don't want to hear, I, I want to know the answers to these questions. Yeah. And I, I hope that eventually... Does that corny? No, I'm just sitting there thinking, like, you're on your deathbed and then some spirit walks up. <laughs> Floats up, ooh, comes Let into the hospital you room. Like, Your Schirmer dad did, did it. it. Yeah. yeah, you know, like that. I just see this this little ghost, right. <laughs> Halloween ghost. Clearly, I don't up. think there's a ghost that comes to you oh, and tells you these, these answers. But I mean, I I hope that one day they actually do know and appreciate and understand the truth right. that yeah. clearly every outsider sees, uh, whether it's when they're reunited with their mother one day or what it is, but. The depths of denial that people will right that they have when clearly do you, do you think it's some like now. somewhere deep down they like know. they they know but they're they just, just can't like admit it. you know and and here's the thing you can know and acknowledge that and not support this he's innocent bullshit and just go you he's done still fuck, my dad you done messed right, up right. a a Ron but right but, but you're, you're still, still dad, dad. Yeah. and I I love you 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 did wrong um but you're my dad and I love you right I, I can't condone what you did right. What's wrong but with you're that? my father. Mm. Well, it, yeah. what's wrong with that is, like Ray said, the denial that he would hurt their mother. Yeah, I think is the the big issue with that. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, he was married to to Betty Jean for some years too, so I'm sure they were very fond of her and loved her, and wouldn't like to think that their father would do anything to hurt her either. Um, and they didn't ask them, of course, about his porn addiction or his right, affairs or his in any of the right in any of the uh documentaries because that would have been poor form to ask his daughters what they thought about his yeah. affairs and porn addiction but i i yeah i i hope that they come to know and appreciate the truth and um that it it's i've i i feel like while i understand why they want to stick by their father it dishonors what happened to their mother. Well, Cheryl, speaking of great. Yeah, that was a good one. Damn. I enjoyed that one quite a bit. Very, very enjoyable. I got, I got a lot of, a lot of happiness out of that one. I mean, yeah, sad situation. Sorry, everybody died, but, um, sorry, everybody died, sorry, everybody died, but it was very, it was an entertaining story and it's, it's what this podcast is made of. I still think Joe got marked. Yeah. I mean, it's not a suicide. I, I think I'm, it's I question more it's suspect. about Joe. I mean, yeah. if they did an investigation thoroughly to determine that those other two deaths were murders, there's no reason they wouldn't have found Joe's death a murder if except, it was a murder. Except if there's no way to prove that it was a murder, like, you know, 
did, I mean, just putting, putting old, like you don't, you can't go back and have GSR tests on the sinister minister's hands to see if he was holding that gun. That, well, no, because GSR is so evanescent. Right. So you're not going to, I mean, to prove that he was even there or that he was involved, like, that sounds like they didn't, they didn't do any of that stuff. So how are you going to prove well, I mean, it? They, they did an <clears> investigation <throat> with regard to Joe's death when it happened. So right. I'm but sure did they? they did it. They did an autopsy on Joe. They probably um, GSR'd his hands. Mm. They probably did all that. But that's the thing. We there's know about no GSR. To, even if he didn't pull the trigger, GSR is going to be on Joe. But did you? But did you test the minister? Did you test AB? I mean, by that time it was like the next day. It's not like old boy was going to have anything you on. If either way. we did it, there's never going to be evidence of it unless he comes to Jesus. But do you think Joe would let someone else get that close to him to kill him if he wasn't knocked out first? Mm. And they didn't find any evidence of that. All, all these details. I'm saying they determined his death to be a suicide, and there is no evidence to the contrary. All right. Now. Finding him. that, <laughs> finding that he was morally responsible for Joe's death. Oh yeah, 100%. no doubt. I mean, that's a different thing. But did he actually pull this trigger on this gun? No. I'm saying he did. Clack clack. clack. Take that, Joe. Take that. I'm gonna take your lady. Yep. Cindy's Mister Steal Your Girl. That's, that's another thing <laughs> that's so problematic to me about this case is that, first of all, Cindy Masanti and her husband go to AB Shermer. For marriage, marriage counseling. counseling. She works at the church. They have an affair. They've, they're they found out for having an affair by her daughter. Same. They basically take her daughter in and threaten her in the church. Yeah, everybody's bad. Everybody's I mean, bad. and then as soon as Joe kills himself, she's like, oh, well, that's over. And she starts talking to Joe's family about the fact that she loves A.B. Yeah, that was great. Yeah, no, and Beth, continues Bethany to Methodist stay with him. Mm-hmm. Continues to stay with him. Though it's clear that he's killed his two wives. And your husband. And sacrifices her relationship with her own daughter to have relationships with his daughters. I get real frustrated when when the when people do that. It makes me upset. I just she's not a sympathetic character in all of this. No. I don't know. Find some way to charge her with conspiracy on this. <laughs> Stop. She conspired on, on Billie Jean. And Betty Jean. <laughs> Is her name. Her family calls her Bets. No Bets. Bobby Joe, whatever. You know, what it do, what it is, what it do. All right. Well, if you disagree with Cheryl and you're in the Joe Ray camp and find that <laughs> Sinister Minister definitely gatted Joe Masanti, uh, feel free to tell us all about it on our email, which is no true bill podcast at gmail.com. If you agree with Cheryl, keep your opinion to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and until next time. Y'all stay out of trouble. My ears, I still have tinnitus. This is how you get ants. Do you want ants? What about ants? ants. (laughs) What about getting ants? What happened? (laughs) Do you not know Archer? (laughs) Nah, I never know. Oh, Ray! All the people who should know about Archer and you. You are. You are Archer. Do you know why? Pam Poovy is my hero. Pam Poovy is is Cheryl. You (laughs) are 
Archer and maybe Jim James Krieger. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. You know, somebody's got to be. Somebody's got to be Krieger. 